Caroline's busy. Matt's unavailable. Producer Ben slept in. Page the Apprentice flat out refused and the janitor insists that this does not fall into his remit. And so, like a boxer who can't move on, I'm dragging myself out of retirement again to take the wheel. So much has changed since Matt and I started this show back in 2017. Norwich are really good now. Ipswich are no longer boring. Southender, well, some things never change. It's the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. I'm Ian McIntosh. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? <laughs> nice to see you again. Hello. Hello. <laughs> familiar faces. Very yes. familiar, in fact. For I, of course, was the blue bit to your red bit on the Red, White and Blue podcast Absolutely, years yeah. ago, Adrian Clark. Golden era, wasn't it? Yeah. Nearly as golden as when we lived together yes. in, in Tufnell Park. Yes. Uh, fun and games. Yeah. Let's, let's not go into the bathroom incident again. <laughs> had to smash the door down to literally save your life but it was it was a wonderful time clarky taught me about the realities of a a life in football and the secret hopes and the fears and he gave me a knowledge and a perspective which i genuinely believe enabled me to make a living writing about football and uh, and i taught him how to play worms on the playstation so it was a very very equal equal kind of balance adrian would you have achieved more if you hadn't met ian mcintosh (laughs) in your career not in life (laughs) yeah it was the beginning of the end of my non-league career it has to be said yeah it was all about the worms (laughs) in every single sense i've never lived with sam park and i feel sure that it would be an equally eye-opening experience i would have achieved less if Um, i'd have met you ian i can't imagine stage (laughs) can't imagine ever having to break you out of a bathroom with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> South Africa? You're just back from yeah, South Africa. I am. What were you doing out there? Uh, just having a holiday. It was delightful. I would highly recommend anyone who hasn't been to take the plunge. It was great. There you go. That advertising deal from the South African Tourist Board is, is coming through. Uh, no Joe Crilly today, and very good that I've never lived with him because I think we'd just start a network game of football manager and die there surrounded by empties. But that is more than enough of that. Let's move on to the championship because Clarkey. Brian Clough Derby, yeah. you were there. I was, yeah. I got a call up about half past four for 7.45 kickoff, but it was great. It, absolutely fantastic atmosphere. Got to say, at the city ground, the supporters were were brilliant. Um, I parked up, funnily enough, at, at Notts County's ground, and there was a load of Derby fans there. And it just really it dawned on me that, that Notts County had opened up the bar for Derby fans. So it was a way for them to bring in revenue. But in terms of the game, it was Nottingham Forest. Deserve the victory, absolutely. They treated it like a derby. They were aggressive. They got in the faces of the derby players. Perfect start, obviously, scoring after 90 seconds. And uh, and derby, underwhelmed by them. I mean, they yes. it didn't show a lot of fight. Didn't really have a defined pattern of play. And it was all very, very flat from Frank Lampard, who basically spent the entire match with his hands in his pockets, sort of going from one end of the technical area to the next, looking thoroughly miserable. Sam, great result for Forrest, though. They've not been in the Premier League since 1999. They've not even finished in the top 10 of the second flight since 2013. Is there a sense that things are changing? Mm, quite possibly. I don't know. I think it's still going to be difficult for them to, to make the playoffs. I think everything we imagined that Martin O'Neill was going to bring was evident last night. Robust, very organised. Having gone ahead so early, you've got to do an awful lot of defending. But Clarkey, you know, articulated it perfectly there. Derby have just not got enough creativity in the side at the moment. Lawrence is someone who gets on the ball and drives them forward with pace. He's missing at the moment. Mount is the craft. He can play the passes through. He's not out there. Wagon had one opportunity, should have scored. He didn't and they didn't really muster much more than that over the uh, over it, the course of the game. Is it something more than that? Because there's this theory that all consciousness is is essentially fake, that there's an illusion of choice, that we are, as humans, dragged like old ferry boats on rusting chains through the universe, preordained, senselessly executing our celestial narrative. And every time it gets to this stage of the season, I think about that and Derby County, yeah. they always <laughs> tail off here. I think there's still the remains of a lot of the previous managers recruits in that squad so some of that must subconsciously still be there for the likes of Keogh I think we were concerned I've already said to Clarkie this morning about Leeds tailing off because of the intensity of their play 
There's a lot of young lads in this Derby side, uh, almost with their first taste of championship season. And I just think maybe that is affecting them at the moment. They need those players that I mentioned uh, already back in and amongst it. And they need to get back to hard work on the training ground that Frank Lampard spoke about last night and working on the patterns, I think, in the final third, the movements and and finding a way of being a bit more proactive in the final third. They were just really slow, laborious in possession. When you lack in confidence, you take the extra touch, you start to overthink things, play the safe pass. And that's what I saw from Derby last night. They, they, they weren't instinctive. They didn't play in any kind of triangles. They, they didn't slice through Nottingham Forest hardly at all. Going back to Forest, I do think that the, the centre-halves have made a difference. The two new guys, new relationship, Milosevic and uh, Ben Loire. Brilliant, really resilient in the second half. Um, in the midfield, I think that the that Colback and Watson made a difference. They they dropped in to help the centre halves pick up recoveries of possession, something that Derby didn't do. So no, it was it was yeah, it was old school from Forest. Derby, I think it's sort of back to the drawing board for Lampard. I'll tell you what, one positive to come out of it for Lampard. You know, bad result, bad performance on a televised game. Probably good timing because otherwise the poor bastard might have got the Chelsea job. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Elsewhere in the championship, Kenny McLean gets his first two goals of the season as leaders Norwich City come from behind to beat Bristol City 3-2. They stay top. Leeds and Sheffield United keep the pressure on the Canaries with wins over Bolton and West Brom, respectively. They're separated by a goal difference on 64 points. QPR continue their slump. Seven losses in a row after losing to Middlesbrough at Riverside. And bottom side, Ipswich Town just miss out on what would have been their fourth win of the season after Wigan score in the first minute of stoppage time for a 1-1 draw at the DW Stadium. Zoinks. Let's have a look at Norwich first. Just from a general side, I mean, they were desperately inconsistent last season, Sam. Two points clear at the top now. Help me out. I've been tits deep in spreadsheets for months. <laughs> what, what the hell happened? Uh, well, they persevered with someone who clearly knows what he's doing in, in Farca. I enjoyed watching them last season. Didn't have the consistency. And it's taken some of those players that he recruited from overseas a little bit longer to, to bed into life in the championship. And they've got a very good squad underlined by Kenny, a former teammate of mine coming in for the last two games, being first class. I think it's going to be difficult for him to hold down a regular spot because there's Teti and there's Vrancic and there's Leitner to come back in. But that just highlighted what Kenny McLean is all about. He is such a composed footballer. And the two goals uh, with either foot, it just you know, reminded me of the year that I spent with him at St Mirren. He scored a couple of goals during my season there. One from about 40 yards at Dundee. One at Aberdeen from the most ridiculous angle. Thrashed him in into the top corner. You know, it's not a fluke. He has got unbelievable shooting ability in both feet. Very good pass with the ball. My concern with Kenny was that he's too casual. He glides around the pitch. Doesn't really mix it like John McGinn, who was part of that St Mirren team as well. I think that's changing. I think his physicality is improving. And he's going to need that to, to become a mainstay in this Norwich side. But yeah, I mean, second half uh, on, on Saturday, they blew Bristol City out of the water. And this is Bristol City side who conceded three goals in the previous eight games. And they conceded three against Norwich. Just shows you, you know, what Norwich are all about. Clarkie, I'm a superstitious man. I believe in omens and signs and things. They've come back from behind twice to stop a really informed team. Mm. I mean, that, that says promotion, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. I've been on the Norwich bus for a while now. I, I just feel that they're, they're just so composed. They, they don't know when they're beaten, clearly. They've got a great record coming from behind. I just think that, that the players on the ball have got incredible confidence. You look at Steeperman now in that number 10 role. He's, he just glides around. He's just he's top quality. And, and now Hernandez is, is a guy that sort of lit up the start of the season. Then he, then he got injured and he's, he's back now. And he will drive you mad. He will he will run down a few blind alleys. He'll lose the ball. But he's got so much skill to go past players. And if he's not doing it, you've got either of the fullbacks that, that fly forward and, and go round on the outside. In central midfield, as you, as you rightly point out, I, I don't think McLean played brilliantly in this game. I think he gave the ball away a lot by all accounts. I do think that Leitner... He's probably their best player in there. He's out at the moment. And Vrancic, so, so he might be on the bench again soon. But, but it shows, goes to show that the depth is there for Norwich. And the only worry I've got is, is if Pukki gets injured. That's the only concern I've got for, for Norwich City. I know that Jordan Rose will probably come in and, and, and bang them in anyway. But 
providing he stays fit. I think elsewhere they've got enough cover, Norwich, that wow. if, if they suffer an injury crisis. Oh, and let's talk about goals. Uh, Tacitus Kilgore, who writes to us on Twitter, mm. implores us to talk about Callum O'Dowder's oh, wow. goal, a yeah. kind of uh, <laughs> hybrid of George Weir and Ricky Villa. Well, it, was, it reminded me of Giggs. Do you remember Giggs' goal for Spurs? You probably won't, actually. Um, it, it was in his younger days. Well, you're a bit younger than me. But when he first burst onto the scene for United, he scored a goal at White Hart Lane that was almost identical to that goal, just skipping past play. Players, the yeah, balance, the footwork was just ridiculous. I don't um, remember that. No, you don't remember that, do you? No. Well, I was, in fairness, I was 14. I should remember I've always that. Liked, I've, I've liked Callum O'Dowder for a long time. I was obviously a former winger myself. I, I like the fact that he can drop a shoulder, go past players either foot. And, and yeah, I, I don't think Bristol City should beat themselves up for this defeat. OK, yeah, they were leading. But as Sam rightly pointed out, Norwich just stepped it up to a gear, a level that is too good for most teams in the division. Bristol City still got a good chance of oh, playoffs. A, a lovely quote from Lee Johnson. Uh, he says, second half, we came out and the first five or six minutes, <laughs> we were fine. And then for 20 minutes, they blew us away. Yeah. That's not it for them, though, is it? They've, they've still got a lot to give, Sam. Yeah, they've been an incredible run. I didn't see this happening at all. I was there for a draw against Millwall. They'd lost, I think, four or five. They'd, they'd beaten Ipswich, actually, the previous game, but they'd been on a horrendous run, and they've not really looked back. Seven wins on the spin, 13 unbeaten going into to Saturday. It's about how they respond now, because we always associate Lee Johnson with these fantastic runs and then going on horrendous uh, runs of defeat. So... They need to bounce back. They put themselves in a great position. That is a great result from Norwich because it just disabled Bristol City's momentum, maintained that gap. Because if they'd have won, that would have shortened and, and Bristol City could have maybe dreamt of automatic. Mm. Well, they've got three big games, haven't they? They've got Birmingham at home and, and we know about Birmingham and Che Adams at the moment. They've got Preston away. That's a toughie. And then they've got Leeds at home. Look, if they can come through those three games with, I don't know, six points... That, that will give them the confidence they need to to push on and, and secure that playoff berth. It's incredibly tight up there and uh, even tighter after Sheffield United beat West Brom 1-0. I watched, well, I sort of watched this. My daughter wasn't having any of it, so I kind of in and out. But the game appeared to be 90% ineffectual Mason Holgate crosses. Um, <laughs> there didn't seem to be too much going on. Is, it? Is that unfair? Uh, maybe a tad. Um, I think, again... We've spoken about Sheffield United's back three. It's different personnel at the moment. That said, they have, they haven't conceded in the last three games, and Craney overlapping on the on the right hand side, which has been a feature of their play. The the outside centre halves joining in and digging out a phenomenal delivery for for Dow to get his first headed goal of his career. It was a, a brilliant goal, uh, and West Brom just seem to be toiling at the Hawthorns. They're sensational away from home. I think when the, the game gets stretched and it's more open and they can counter-attack teams at home when the onus is on them to break teams down, they're really ineffectual yeah. at the moment. Ten I think, wins on the road this season, just seven at home. Do you think it's pressure? I mean, you look at that team, maybe. that's a Premier League team. It is a good team, yeah, on paper. I, I, I've been saying it from, from day one, really, that I just don't think that without the ball, they're good enough. They've only kept six clean sheets, which is the second worst. Only Ipswich have kept fewer clean sheets than West Brom, and that ultimately is, is what I think will cost them promotion. I, I mean, they've got a chance in the playoffs, of course they have, but... Yeah, they just they just they're unable to to keep opposition sides at bay often enough. I did think on the Sheffield United angle, Henderson, the keeper, I was really pleased for him because he he got a lot of stick for his performance at Villa Park, not least from his teammates who were berating <laughs> him on the pitch in full view of everyone, which I didn't like. But his reaction was was absolutely first class. He, he was superb in this game, and Sheffield United continue to to make everybody eat their words really I think I was one that thought they would probably just, just be playoffs at best but on current form I think it's, it's them and Norwich are the two best teams in the division Yeah well Chris Wilder at the end of the game said we'll only know at the end of the season how vital that win is it's a game we were really up for we always are He's, I, I like him mm. he's fun uh, Darren Moore for his part said his players gave everything everyone could see that but maybe just a game too far they've got another tricky one coming up they've got Leeds away yeah. 
Yeah, not easy. Going back to West Brom, uh, uh, Jay Rodriguez, who obviously got away with a handball goal, didn't he, recently? <laughs> he did it again, didn't he? <laughs> but it just made me chuckle because straight away he did the whole hands up. I'm not trying to claim it, I promise. <laughs> Referee didn't fall for it and uh, and carded him. But yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, know, what do you think about, I, I don't know, it sounds mad, but Gail and Rodriguez in the same team, I just think... Something's got to give there. I just think they've got Montero now. They've got Robson Carnu, I think, is very good playing as a wide forward. I just mm. think sometimes they'd have to just go with one or the other. Yeah, it's a good point. I think turning turn the sort of um, attention to Arsenal, it's a bit like a Bamiang and Lacazette. Mm. They're not really clicking as a partnership. Arsenal's record is better when one and not two are playing. It can happen. And, and to have either Rodriguez or Gale on the bench to unleash in the second half... A, it keeps the first-choice striker really on their toes. They know they've probably only got about an hour to do the business. And then it frightens the opposition in the second half to, to bring on someone so good. Yeah, this time of the season, not necessarily a bad thing to have a bit of strength and depth, is it? So a, a very brief look at Leeds, who beat Bolton. Bolton with other things on their mind. Lucky Leeds. Uh, is that what we're calling them? I mean, they were, weren't they? Let, let's be honest. It was a dive. Let's get it right from, from Tyler Roberts. Looks like it's not going to be so brief. Blatant dive. <laughs> And uh, it, it was a double whammy from him. Clearly, that's out of order. Then he then he only went and tried to steal the penalty kick off of his teammate Bamford, who, who I was pleased to see stood his ground. Um, that was naughty on two counts from from Tyler Roberts. And then obviously the second goal was a was a complete freak, wasn't it? With the deflection, the keeper Remy Matthews uh, mucked that one up. So uh, and and the other interesting talking point was the was the brawl. Um, you'd you'd, water, have, a, water fight you'd have appreciated that one. You no, I was I was <laughs> going to the other side of the pitch and do my laces up. And I, I think. If Bam- someone did the whole water thing on on you, would you would you have had a little bite? I probably would have responded to that, but you know, watching the highlights, I think it's quite good because it's just a lot of posturing, isn't it? And people pull in, and nobody's actually going to throw a punch. So I thought it was quite inventive to actually pick up a water bottle and and stick it in someone's ear. So yeah, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> Not too much of a problem, and I'm completely with Phil Parkinson. I think Pontus Janssen was probably the instigator of the mass brawl and Parkinson came in and had a few words of him. It's not a red card for the, for the manager. I think maybe the referee is just making a point by sending off the, the gaffer. Bolton fans, though, might be uh, compensated by, with the news that uh, Ken Anderson's era might be over. Mm. Club statement says, uh, the chairman's pleased to announce that an agreement in principle has been reached that will result in inner circle investments selling its total shareholding in Burnden Leisure. A period of due diligence has now begun. Once this process has been completed and the requirements of the EFL have been satisfied, a further announcement will be made. Joe Crilly is not in the building today, but to replicate Joe Crilly's reaction, I suggest that you run around the room punching the air and laughing, <laughs> and you'll probably be there. Quick look at Stoke Villa. Oh, the misery. Oh, dear God, the misery. Only high point here, I think, is Jack Butland's green jersey, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a nice gesture, wasn't it? I thought, mm. I thought they handled that occasion really well Stoke City yeah the, the commemorations for Gordon Banks were, were first class yeah it was it wasn't a great game by the looks of things on, on the highlights obviously a rare goal for a doma um I, I just feel a bit sorry for for Nathan Nathan Jones and Stoke at the moment they just they just can't get that win that 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 they need just to, to take off. But what what I do think he's done well is he's, he's taken some established players out out of the team. Some of the the old furniture. He's been quite bold. The one the one standout quote from him, which was a bit, a bit ballsy really from Nathan, was on Charlie Adam. Did you see that one or hear it? He no. basically he praised up his ability, and then said, but. He can't do it for long enough. He blows. He basically, I think he used the term. He blows up after an hour. <laughs> I can't be having that long term. We can't continue it's with those kind of players. Strategy, isn't it? Because publicly, Charlie Adams not exactly a wallflower. Well, well, Charlie will go on the radio and he will speak his mind, won't he? So it'll be fascinating to see what happens. I think when he does leave, and my money would be on a summer departure, <laughs> then <laughs> then Charlie Adams might 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 have a little dig back at Nathan Jones. But but to his credit, Nathan is. is He's not scared of upsetting the bigger egos in that Stoke dressing room. And I, and I make him right on that. I think it's it's actually high time that some of those guys were moved on. Well, given that they're 17th from the table, I don't think anyone could argue that. Also, at the wrong end of the table, Ipswich. Oh, 
Oh, just when they thought they got that away win, they're toast, aren't they, Clarkie? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, they, I can't say. I, I do think that they've improved a bit under Paul Lambert. They're showing a, more fights, but they can't hold on to leads. Obviously, they, they've not scored anywhere near enough goals. I, I looked at their record when they've gone 1-0 up this season. 11 times it's happened, which is enough times, and they've won two. I mean, you, you compare that to Leeds. When, when, it, when Leeds have gone 1-0 up, they have won every single time. So to, to go 1-0 up 11 times and claim two victories is, is pretty woeful. But on this occasion, it was, it was a touch heartbreaking for them. Sam, a bit of love for Brentford, who beat Hull 5-1. Who's this wonder guy that <laughs> Brentford have with the hat-trick? Yeah, Ben Rama. I'm, I wrote about him early part of the season and saying because they'd lost Jota and some good players over the last year, 18 months, that this guy will come in and he'll be the answer. And I don't think I probably believed it myself but I was just trying to fill some column inches <laughs> you, you, you do we're recording this yeah yeah and uh, no you know I was I was hopeful that it was going to happen but I wasn't I hadn't seen loads of him behind the curtain of football journalism and he's been unbelievable in in recent weeks he's the joint top assist maker in the division now with Hernandez interestingly Jukovic was third by the way which I thought was incredible uh, underlining what a good season he's having but Ben Rama with arguably the best hat trick of the season He's outshining probably Ollie Watkins at the moment, even though Ollie's still imperative to, to Brentford's good form. And yeah, they, they, they did, it, did it to Blackburn um, a few weeks ago at Griffin Park. And they're excelling again at the moment, uh, Brentford. So yeah, fantastic victory. And, and Ben Rama, top of his game. Another one from Brentford's Nerd Cave, a team of analysts that they have in North London. Just watching one game after another game after another game after another game, they they find so many players. Quick word from Clarky um, Preston: three-one win over Millwall. Yeah, very good. I mean, what a start! The away form is different, different class for Preston at the moment. I've, I've sung their praises for a while now, and yeah, in terms of stats, I like to sort of dig out bits and pieces, don't I, for the show? They've still not conceded a single goal in the first fifteen minutes of games, mm. which I think is is just sensational. To put that into context, Norwich have scored seven, conceded seven. Leeds have conceded eight. Sheffield United four. I do, every manager, uh, they always demand like nice and solid at the start of games. You know, first fifteen, we're quieting the crowd down, especially if you're away from home. And Preston do it every single week. It, it's quite remarkable. I did like the third goal from Maguire, who's, who's one of the players that I like the most at Preston. It was a really, really cool little dinked finish over the keeper. He did he did what uh, Waghorn should have done at the City ground uh, last night in, in terms of finding the bottom corner. But yeah, Preston, I suppose they're, they're beginning to believe, aren't they, that they might be this season's late runners for the playoffs. Birmingham could be as well, though they were held by Blackburn. 2-2, Che Adams, more goals. Only four more, and he equals Trevor Francis's 25-goal uh, haul of 77-78 season. Yeah. I tell you what, do you fancy going to the, the second City derby? Birmingham Villa? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course he would do. Oh, we got a competition. Two pairs of tickets for Birmingham against Aston Villa on Sunday the 10th of March. Two pairs of tickets. Birmingham, Villa, Sunday 10th March. All of those facts repeated there for you. If you'd like to be in with a chance of winning, and head to Instagram, search for at Totally Football Show, give the post a like, and it could be you on your way to St Andrews. Please don't do that if you've got no intention of going to the game, though. <laughs> Page the Apprentice being driven to distraction by people who win and then go, oh, no, but I live in Australia. Just, just only. It's a really good game. So, uh, you know, enter and and win, but only if you want to go. That competition closes on Friday the first of March, and the terms and conditions are on our audio boom page. We need some odds, don't we? And with no Joe Crilly, we turn to producer Abby. Abby, if I was so impressed by Nottingham Forest last night that I wanted to back them for promotion at William Hill, what odds would I get? It would be an interesting choice for you to make. They are thirty-three to one Ooh. to have a promotion. That makes them. Eighth favourite. Uh, and what about Derby? If I still believed, they are much closer odds, ten to one to go mm. to go up. But judging by the rest of them, doesn't seem likely. There's one point between yeah. the two. That that seems quite a big differential. Joe Crilly and the crew might might want to relook at that <laughs> in the next day or two. Joe Crilly's listening to this right now, going, "Oh Jesus! Oh no!" <laughs> Make this an every Saturday super with the Super Saturday Reloaded coupon from William Hill, available in all William Hill branches across the UK. With more prizes on offer than ever before, your new Super Saturday competitions offer you the chance to win a share of £1 million and some additional extra goodies specific to your region. 
All you have to do is select the number of goals, corners and cards across three selected football matches. Super Saturday football and racing competitions are free to enter when you bet £10 at your local William Hill. T's and C's apply. You can find out more at williamhill.com. And remember, when the fun stops, stop. League One, then. Southend United were formed in 1906, but they only joined the Football League. And, uh, it's never coming back. Um, it is the end of the winning road for Luton Town after six games, but they continue down unbeaten path after Saturday's draw at home to Coventry. It was opportunity missed, though, by fourth-place Portsmouth. Had a penalty saved as they drew at home to second-place Barnsley. And third-place Sunderland took advantage of all of that by winning at Bristol Rovers. They look in trouble as well. Uh, that takes the Black Cats within two points of the Tykes. Elsewhere, there were big away wins at the bottom for Shrewsbury and Oxford. They climb out the bottom four. And it's farewell to Bantam's boss, David Hopkin, more of whom later he resigned after Bradford lost 3-2 to Walsall. Uh, despite the Saddlers playing for almost the entire game, with 10 men. A shout out to our friend Alex at Spotify. She called that an inexplicable result, which I, I think is very, very accurate. Sam, you were at Luton. They're up against perennial crisis club Coventry, who really are in the do. First of all, can I just say how smart you looked? Thank you, on mate. Set, on television. Yeah, you look really good. Thank you. Oh, did you enjoy it? I wore a white shirt because I had a little bit of a glow on my return from South Africa. <laughs> so, pred- so predictable. We're learning a lot about the industry here today. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to wear a tie, though, which I was disappointed about. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, well, that's interesting. Casual. I why not? I well, think just like casual. health and safety, in case you fall off the just, gantry. Just a, this is the casual vibe, EFL, yeah. down at Kenilworth Road on oh. a Sunday, early kick-off, yeah. Well, it, it, it wasn't... Chill out, go yeah. free. It wasn't really chilled yeah. out and relaxed, because Luton should have won it in stoppage time. They should have done. Alan McCormack, who didn't have his best afternoon. He played a couple of blind passes in the first half, which... Coventry intercepted and very nearly scored from and he missed the sitter in the last moment so not his best day Danny Hilton not his best day and then Panzu Ruddock as well there's a few of the Luton chaps just not at the top of their their performances at the moment and there's obviously a lot of strength and depth at Luton I think that Mick may change it the next couple couple of games maybe just bring a few of those lads that are on the bench the Cummings of this world Uh, maybe Ollie Lee from the off but Credit Coventry with everything that's going on uh, around them. They sent it forward. Bakayoko went off in the first half uh, after a collision with the goalkeeper, James Shea. And it actually helped them because Shipley came on, scored the goal, but he went wide left. Harula went up front and they were really struggling with Luton's right-hand side, which has been phenomenal this season. Shinny, Jack Stacey. But having um, the substitute Shipley over there on the left-hand side to help out the left-back Mason just helped them a little bit and in the second half they defended brilliantly two centre halves fantastic Liam Kelly in the centre of the pitch really resolute and and probably deserved their point on the day but no concerns about Luton they're the the champions for me in waiting Mick Harford afterwards said uh, did enough in my opinion to win the game the performance was excellent certainly you back that up I mean for those of us who thought Luton might struggle after that managerial change yeah. and that you know Mick Harford might be on a hiding to nothing seems to be doing alright doesn't he? Yeah well I said it on, on Sunday there's a misconception about Mick because of his hard man image that, mm. and because of the era that he played in that maybe he'd want his teams to go a bit, a little bit long or in the dressing room he'd be a teacup thrower and a rant and a raver he's not at all he's very measured controlled within the dressing room with his delivery and on the training pitch that's where he's at his best he likes high tempo football he likes to be entertained with flair players and that is in a nutshell what he's got at Luton Town so he inherited a group of players that he would have enjoyed watching as the head of recruitment and now he'll enjoy, he'll enjoy being taking them so minimal differences I understand is, is what's gone on but I think Nathan's really intense we've had him on the show Clark he knows him if anything, I think the Luton players, I wouldn't say they'd be enjoying it more, but they may be a tad more relaxed it's under weird, Mick. Because from the outside, you can't think of any situation which would be made more relaxed by the addition of Mick Harford. I'm telling yeah. you. I'm telling you. And I, yeah. Listen, I was as surprised as, as anyone. And for the strikers, for James Collins, mm. he was brilliant with me. I didn't get it out on Sunday, but when I used to be in front of goal in training, Mick used to say, go cold, you know, like a killer, like an assassin. And um, that's what he used to say to me. And James Collins, I think, is completely free in front of goal. He goes cold. He relaxes. If he was in that position that Alan McCormack was in last minute on uh, Sunday, 
Luton win the game. And it's just having that composure in front of goal. And uh, Mick will be first class for the likes of Collins who are flying at the moment. So happy days at Luton where back-to-back promotions beckon. If we were looking for an absolute polar opposite of how happy Luton are, let's look at Coventry. Christ, what a mess. I mean, you you would think that it couldn't get any worse and now the word expulsion is being used. It's not what you want to hear, is it? Where do they go from here? Because seriously, the EFL want to literally know where they go. Well, of course. They have no base. I I don't know the... I don't have enough facts to hand on on what the situation is, unfortunately. But if it's a game of brinkmanship, it's not funny, is it? It's... Let's just... Let's get it sorted as, as soon as possible. I know that early March is the... Is the deadline, isn't it, for, for Coventry to confirm they'll be able to play at the Rico next season? I just feel incredibly sorry for the supporters who, who were there in force, weren't they? And yeah. I like the fact that they all stayed behind afterwards. The protest, there's a real sort of um, brotherhood there at Coventry that's also been born out of success last season under Robbins. They, they love this team. This team took them up from League Two. They love the manager, Mark Robbins. He, he, he steered them to, to this, this level. And they desperately want to see them continue. I, I don't think it'll come to that. I really don't. I, th- I think Coventry will be okay. But f- but until that's confirmed, it's it's extremely worrying. Uh, on the bright side, though, that point lifts them to 46. You'd have to say they're like a couple of wins away from not having to worry about no, they'd be know, right. anything, yeah. anything else on that front. Bradford, however, very, very worried about relegation. Beaten, as we said earlier, by a 10-man Walsall. Now, David Hopkins, I've got this theory about managers who try to calculate a career path rather than just letting it happen. I think it offends the football gods. So, Hopkins, you may well recall at Livingston, brilliant back-to-back promotions, and then quit before the season of Premier League football in order to then get a job. The gods have reacted as the gods always react to this. He took the Bradford job and now he's gone six months in charge. He won seven out of 35 matches, uh, six draws and 15 defeats, and they are 23rd and he is gone. He said, I'm disappointed, but I feel the time is right for me to step aside and allow someone to come in and attempt to keep the club in League One. I've given uh, given my all over the past six months, took on a tough job and have left no stone unturned in my efforts to help us climb the table. Sam, what went wrong? It's really difficult to pinpoint. I think there's been so much going off the pitch, uh, going on off the pitch at, at Bradford. I think it's just still uh, a mess that remains from the previous regime. I know it's Edin Rahic has stood aside now, but I think it's just been so turbulent. I think that's probably passed down to the to the players on the pitch. That said, there was that period where he had four victories in, on the spin after a hellish start to, to life at Valley Parade. And I think me and Clarkie were in unison that he now had the players there, certainly the squad, to, to pull themselves away from trouble. He's just not been able to do it and feels now's the, the time for someone else to come in. It's, it's whether it's a, a short-term appointment to see them hopefully pull away from the relegation zone or if it's going to be a long-term appointment to take them forward over the next few seasons on Saturday. I mean, that is desperate. Uh, the decision to send off the centre forward doesn't sit particularly well with me, the Walsall centre forward, because the referee was three yards away from the incident. So unless the centre forward is completely brainless, you're not going to go brandishing your elbow. So, you know, you'd expect Bradford to have gone on and got something out of that game, given how poor Walsall have been. So that's obviously just the the final nail in, in Hopkins' coffin. Fallen on his sword, hasn't he, um, Hopkins? I think that's that's kind of honourable. But it makes me think, and I don't know the facts, but it makes me think that there are issues with the, between him and the players. My initial reaction was that he must be, there must be a problem there, a clash, and that he's sick of it to walk away, that he just th- thinks, you know what, you, you know, I'll leave it in your hands then. I, I do think that they conceded obviously way too many goals. And again, I always think, I go back to this, when you concede the first goal, how do you, how do you react? And their record when conceding first is abysmal. 18 times, they've won none, they've drawn one, they've lost 17, they've scored eight goals, conceded 42. And, and you can't read everything into stats, but I'm going to read it read it into into Bradford and say that that, that dressing room has, has got a, a real problem in terms of character. When they have a setback, almost every single time they collapse. And that is a problem that he hasn't been able to fix, that previous managers haven't been able to fix. 
and it doesn't bode well for them. I think player for player, Bradford should be nowhere near the relegation zone, particularly the guys they've got in forward areas. So there's something... I think look from the outside looking in, I'd say there are a few bad eggs there. Hopkins said after the game on Saturday, "We have to stick together." But it's the first time I've heard a few players having a go at each other after the game. So that's, that's, that's... nothing wrong with that. I don't, I, I'd, I'd be amazed if it's taken this long for for players to have a go at each other. It's just you can't let them run a mark. Well, Coach Martin Drury is going to be the temporary manager while they figure out what to do next. Among the names listed is one Paul Hurst. Formerly of Shrewsbury and more recently of Ipswich disaster. Yeah. He'd be an interesting shout, wouldn't he? Yeah, it's a gamble, isn't it? Taking the, Considering they're one off the bottom of the table and they have the players, as Clarkie said. The, the front line, Ball, Billy Clark's back there now. Payne's an excellent player and, and Doyle should be scoring more goals. Relying on the centre-half, I saw it this morning, six goals Anthony O'Connor's got for him. And they've got that firepower at the top end of the pitch who are just not producing enough. Paul Hurst, yes, I still think he's got an opportunity to get back into a good club. I think he's a good manager. I thought Ipswich was a hell of a risk going in there and obviously trying to bring so many players from a a lower level and integrate them into a championship dressing room. But I don't know. I think that's a big risk for someone to take that job considering what's gone on in the past for Paul Hurst. The other names linked, aren't they? Uh, Gary Bowyer. I think he's he's certainly worthy of a shout. I'm surprised he hasn't been re-employed after he... He left Blackpool. He he feels a better fit to me than than Hurst to to, to maybe stabilise them. But the bookies' favourite ahead of coming into the studio was the Bolton gaffer. Did you see this? Whoa. Phil Parkinson. Phil Parkinson. Yeah, I don't know whether he's the bookies' favourite with Joe Crilly's William Hill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, but that was the, that was what I read on social media. So so that would be fascinating, wouldn't it, if if he was to walk out on Bolton to go back to Bradford where he was so successful. Well, whoever it is has got a nice easy start because it's just Portsmouth away, Peterborough at home, Luton at home and Oxford. Oh, God. No, no one's going to want that. <laughs> Sam, Wimbledon 1, Charlton 2. Yes. Scouting report, please. Yeah. For the first half an hour of the game, I thought I was sat to a, next to an actor from Love Actually. So I couldn't really concentrate and I got home and furiously Googled it and see if he was a Wimbledon supporter but he was born in Watford and I just think it was a look look alike a really poor one <laughs> it's not what I was expecting Sam. can I yeah. just say on that on that theme years ago I was in Vegas we did the Vegas to LA on the, the most boring road in the, in the in the universe through the desert and we all of us in the car were convinced that Tiger Woods was in the car in front <laughs> going about 100 miles an hour so we tailed we tailed him the whole way and we were so so excited we t- this is Tiger Woods this is Tiger Woods we finally got enough speed up to overtake him and yeah just we didn't even look anything see like the back it of his head. I don't know what it was how but, did you yeah. see the front of his head it, yeah it's look yeah I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story that's been shortened probably unfairly but yeah we were convinced it wasn't everyone at Muddy Knees Media would like to extend their apologies to supporters of Wimbledon and Shelton for the coverage there we can do better we will do better <laughs> Do you want me to go? Oh, go on then, Sam. I did see Eureka Johnson. Eureka Uh, Johnson. (laughs) Eureka Johnson. Eureka! Eureka! On the A316 on Sunday morning, on the way to Luton. That's all right, isn't it? She was on the way to Luton. I was on the way to a game. That's all right, isn't it? I think we're going to move on um, <laughs> for, very briefly to Pompey against Barnsley, nil-nil. Uh, do you know what? We haven't got time. We yeah. spent too much time on Eureka. The odds for League One. Oh, Abby, what we got? I quite like actually, I enjoy looking at the amount of teams that are in contention for promotion. You've got nine possible contenders they've put on William Hill. As for the relegation odds, I can't actually count them. I think it's 14 possible <laughs> uh, contenders. <laughs> Going with promotion, Luton, odds on 25 to 1. Barnsley also odds on 4 to 1 on, as are Sunderland, 5 to 4 on. And therefore it's between Portsmouth, Doncaster, Charlton, Peterborough, Blackpool and Fleetwood most likely of those Portsmouth 15 to 8 in the relegation we kind of know Wimbledon are down there 10 to 1 on Rochdale are the next favourites at 2 to 1 on and Bradford we've been talking a lot about them they are 15 to 8 I notice Southend United listed at 12 to 1 for relegation that can only be because we've only got four players left fit to play Oh, this season's been killed by injury Clarkey that is more than enough of League 1 into League 2 
Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast for TV fans by TV fans, dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand. It's Mr. Saturday Night himself. <laughs> it's Sam O'Leary. Jeffers, what should we be keeping an eye on? We've got Cold Feet returning. The trailer looks very interesting. It's James Nesbitt and Co. It's really worked this comeback for ITV. You want it to be heartwarming. It's a nice Saturday night show. Ready for your Tuesday morning commute. Series linked with me, Emma Bullymore, and Mark Jeffries. League Two, where leaders Lincoln ended a run of four draws in a row with a nice, comfortable, stress-free 2-0 success against Morecambe. All of the top three won. Uh, Berry, or Bury, as Matt Stanger would have it. Uh, they keep the imps in sight, coming from 1-0 down to beat Paul Scholes' Oldham. That is how we talk, uh, talk about them now. Uh, Tyler Walker grabs a winner for Mansfield. They'd lost two in a row, but they just beat fellow high flyers Forrest Green 1-0 in our pick of the bunch last week. Yeovil's new owners had a great start as I climb out the relegation zone with a 1-0 win over Cambridge and right at the bottom Macclesfield pegged back to a one-all draw by Crawley they stay second from bottom out of Notts County who lost their second consecutive game 1-0 down to Tranmere Rovers let's look at that uh, Paul Scholes Oldham type affair doesn't have a quirky name this derby but it's definitely a sort of Lancashire derby kind of thing some incredible misses in this match Clarkie yeah, yeah, it was. It was looked like an entertaining affair. And Berry don't ever beat Oldham by all accounts, so this was a really important victory for them. They're flying, absolutely flying, scoring goals for fun. Jay O'Shea is someone we don't talk about probably enough on this podcast. He has to be in the team of the year for a midfielder to have scored as many goals as he has. Not entirely sure how many, but I know he's well into double figures. It's just outstanding. And yeah, I think Berry uh, are well on course. For promotion, so uh, yeah, good luck to them. They play some great stuff. Most Paul Skulls quote: "I thought we did all right, <laughs> <laughs> first half especially." So they knew Newberry were a good side, and second half they just tired a bit. It's difficult down in League Two, isn't it, Sam? It is, yeah. But we poured scorn on Sol Campbell to a degree, and he's done a pretty fine job so far. I enjoyed watching Oldham early part of this season on a couple of occasions. I saw them live. I think they've got a couple of decent players. Lang was on the score sheet at the weekend. He's he's not a bad player. But yeah, it's going to be about consolidation for, for Paul Scholes this year and go again next year. On Berry, the best fixtures, I think, of the teams that are jostling for those automatic positions just Colchester at home that's the only fixture against top seven opposition the only thing uh, I will say to level that out is they play Portsmouth in the checker trade tonight we'll see if they get to the final if that has any kind of impact on their league form moving forward that's my one concern Lincoln Lincoln last season Shrewsbury to a degree as well I think tailed off towards the end and obviously ultimately just ended up with a playoff spot but Berry, for me have overtaken MK Dons I was I thought MK Dons was a shoe-in for automatic. I think that third spot is between MK Dons and Mansfield now. Well, it's a hell of a place to have a season ticket, Barry. 42 home league goals in 17 games. Uh, that's the most in the EFL. Uh, it's their highest tally in the EFL season since 85-86 already. That was just 46 in 23 games. And 22 goals more than they managed at home last season. So they're having fun, if nothing else. Also having fun, Kevin Ellison at Morecambe. Now, Morecambe were beaten 2-0 by Lincoln, but uh, did you see his 40th birthday cake? I didn't, actually, no. Uh, out on uh, Shrimp's official Twitter feed. It's a lovely cake of a sort of cartoonish Kevin Ellison with a Zimmer frame. Um, which is, given that he's one year younger than me, is kind of galling. Did you ever get any gifts from clubs, Sam? Birthday, birthday. No. Yeah, we no. know how Yaya Toro felt about not getting a birthday cake. No, so. can't remember anything. You get a, you get a tweet now. I get a tweet from the official Swindon page. Yeah, yeah, oh. I reckon I would. Yeah, a couple of weeks away. Oh, if oh, the media so, man's listening. Oh, so you don't know. All oh, right. What about the, dis- the? Would it be a crushing disappointment if they don't? Then no, I'd be fine about it. I'd like to think one of the supporters' uh, sites would uh, would remember. But yeah, I think I've in the past the official. STFC will give me a little mention. Well, uh, Lincoln, I mean, they're, they're all over Morecambe, which yeah. was interesting because uh, Danny Cowley talking about Bruno Andrade, he said, uh, to be fair to him, he's had sickness and diarrhoea. I don't think I want my manager telling everyone I've got the trots. That feels a bit personal. Yeah. I'll just go for rather unwell. Yeah, maybe, yeah. A bit, a bit too graphic. But he's on fire, isn't he? Six in four. All, most of them have been really, really good goals as well. I, I like this player because... He, he's got two good feet and he had the disappointment 
of sort of not making it, didn't he, at QPR. Mm. Went, went into non-league, I think revived things at, at Boreham Wood, of all places, and he's come back into the league for a, for a strong team at Lincoln, and, and he's, he's on fire. Tell you what, we're talking about managers and calculated career paths. The Cowley brothers, very kind of widely rumoured to be you know moving on up last season. And then when they missed out on promotion, you thought, oh, well, this is it. They'll take the job. They haven't. They'll get promotion this time. Their reputation will probably be enhanced by all of that, won't it? Yeah, and I think they've got a clear plan. It probably helps that he's got. they've got their sibling there to, mm. to chew the fat over. I know they do a lot of travelling uh, from their, their home in Essex, I think it is, and go to a lot of games together. Got a clear plan. The Ipswich job, I think, looking back and thinking how disillusioned the Ipswich fans were with the style of play, if you like, under Mick McCarthy, I'm not sure that would have been the right move for them. They will go, ultimately. But, yeah, they needed that win because four draws on the bounce would be conceding late goals as well. Everyone talking about a late-season wobble, not for me. Lincoln, the best squad, um, the best team. I think they'll go up as, as champions. Funny what a win does for confidence, isn't it? It just sort of clears the clouds. Everything looks cheerful again. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, yeah. Let's look at the other end of the table. Port Vale, Sam, beaten 1-0 by Cheltenham. But that's, that's only half the story. Controversy over a disallowed goal has led to an extraordinary statement on the club website. Yes, it's very entertaining, isn't it? They haven't a, well, they've sent their list of complaints to the match official administration system. And going by the comments on Twitter from the Port Vale fans, I think they're all in unison that it's making them look pretty ridiculous, to be honest. And the incident from the weekend, I just wanted to draw attention to it, and the Port Vale fans may not agree with me. It's a disallowed goal from Worrell, a cross by Christian Montano. Uh, For me, in the lead-up to the cross, Montano actually fouls the covering Cheltenham defender and pushes him into his teammate. I didn't see that on the statement. No, you didn't, Clarky. So what I'm trying to say is it evens itself out over the season. And if it doesn't do that, why on earth would the match officials in League Two have an agenda against Port Vale? I mean, yes, Clarky's mate Steve Evans or someone like that who riles the officials year after year. Maybe some officials may have it in for him at some point. Or if you've got a particularly volatile captain like a Roy Keane or something maybe they his side would get a few more yellow cards but I mean come on the fans will be embarrassed and the players as well I'm more embarrassed about the you know the the literary structure of the statement (laughs) itself because one of the things that kept me in such a long career as a mediocre peripatetic football writer was that every time I wrote something I then read it out aloud and that that highlights whether a pro- I mean this is riddled with errors tenses change punctuations all over the place I think it might have actually just been written as someone spoke uh, goals change games and we as a club understand that you make your own luck in a game that is 90 minutes I mean, he's, he, that's that's just someone that's, wibbling. They dictated it, um, yeah. Because it was because my my reaction when I saw it was a embarrassing and and b who who approved this? Yeah, it's the, well, it's the chief this? executive, Colin Garlic, Colin. Um, and it, it it reeks, doesn't it? Colin, email of desperation. it to me next time. I'll have a quick. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've done any editing, but I'll, I'll give it a quick one. So the last line. Uh, that's why that's where you you leave your impact sentence. Mm. And the last line. The club takes these matters extremely seriously and treat accordingly I mean I, I God's do. sake Colin come on man that's not good come it's on. not good but not the team are not good at the moment it's, they, they've had no new manager bounce have they under under Askey and the home form is just which well, is ridiculously bad it's not it's not funny last eight games won none drew one lost seven I mean <laughs> they're, they're in real danger given the form of of Macclesfield and, and Notts well Notts County are having another wobble but but I think they'll come again. Port Vale right now is looking desperate. Some decent fixtures is the the one thing I will say about Port Vale. I think they'll just have enough. But I agree, there's not been any change really in the form under Askey. He stuck actually with Aspin's three-five-two until the weekend. Went to a four-four-two, which I think the supporters have been crying out for. But I've written the goal scorers down here. I mean, they're so reliant on Tom Pope, but he's only actually got eight goals this season. Then Whitfield's got four. Hannant's got three, Miller's got two. They just can't score goals. I think it's one point and no goals from the last six games. I mean, it's pretty desperate, but just looking at the fixtures and seeing them early part of the season when they went a bit more defensive and ground out some really ugly home wins, one nils, I think they'll probably do it again. Last season was a joint lowest finish in their history. 
and you can understand the rage from the supporters at the moment. So that's a club really in turmoil. All right, well, we're nearly out of time. Let's not go out on a low, though. Let's go out on something high, uplifting. Yeovil, a great result for manager Darren Way. Six-match losing run they were on. And just days after Feliciana, EFL Limited, agreed to take over the club club. Yeah, it's all changed, really, at Yeovil. It's not gone through yet. It's an American investor, isn't it? Rob Kuhig Jr. When reading his background... I wasn't wholly impressed. His main involvement in sport is to own a minor league baseball team called the AAA Zephyrs. Um, yeah, no, it's a good name. But but what he what he said is the priority is to make Hewish Park going to Hewish Park the most exciting experience for fans in English football. What? Yeah, I mean it's not <laughs> going to happen, Rob. I'm sorry, it's not going to be the most exciting you know experience what? for fans. You, you aim at the stars, you might end up at the top of the tree. Well, He's yeah. taken that very literally. So yeah, I, some of the things that he's come out with, I'm, I'm, I'm mildly concerned in. We're talking about fan experience. <laughs> Don't know if that's the priority really at, at Yeovil. On Darren Way, he's having to walk down the town centre and read. Way out posters stuck to coffee shop walls. That's how bad it's got for him. Are they not just like you know hippieish slogans? <laughs> well, way out. There's a few way out signs yeah. um, everywhere. There's a lot everywhere. of way out Every- people in the. Oval, I mean, he's, you know used to, he's used to seeing way out signs, <laughs> but I think these ones are about him. Um, but but yeah, it was a great result, much needed against Cambridge. He made five changes. He, he described it as the bravest team selection of his entire career he gave a debut to an academy graduate he played his striker Arquin as a centre half he basically just chucked all his cards up in the air and and just sort of went with something completely different and it worked I wish him well because Yeovil worked so hard to get into the EFL and I was a player when they when they managed that feat it'd be such a shame if they lost their status Abby what's all this done to the odds with William Hill so Port Vale and Yeovil fans, there's nothing to fear because Notts County and Macclesfield, they're still odds on to go down. Yeovil, you're two to one to go down and Port Vale is seven to two. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much. Hardly any time left, just enough time to go through the fixtures. Tonight, Bristol City versus Birmingham, Hull versus Millwall, QPR leads, QPR seven defeats on the bounce. That's not going to be fun. Sheffield Wednesday against Brentford, got Shrewsbury, Doncaster and Lincoln Exeter elsewhere. Friday night though, Leeds, West Brom. One word answers, who's winning? Leeds. West Brom. All right, there you go. The panel is split. Uh, Saturday, Ipswich, <laughs> Reading, relegation six pointer, Brentford QPR, the West London derby, and the Steel City derby on Monday. Southend, have they had a mention? Oh, just very briefly, Barnsley, tough game for them on a run of draws, Southend, which is actually quite good, all things considered. That is all we've got time for. Sam, thanks so much for being here. You've been great. Cheers, Ian. Good to see you. Clarky, you've been here. Thanks. I've been Ian McIntosh. Rest assured, I will not see you next Tuesday. The spreadsheets are calling and I must go. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life really, and here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK, so that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.